you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Around the NFL podcast has been waiting all day for Sunday night. (laughs) From the Chris Wessling podcast studio, it's Around the NFL. I am Dan Hansis, and I have heroes. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. It is, yes, hard to believe the 10th season for the Around the NFL podcast covering our league. And it all starts right here in a lot of ways with the week one flagship show. Mark, pinch yourself, baby. I have been pinching myself all day, which is was weird, I thought. Well, just just all these sounds of like, ooh, oh, Mark. I like him from the corner. It was a lot. I enjoy it the way I want to. I was studying Mark very closely today, Greg. As you know, uh, this is the first Sunday of football where Mark's not a Browns fan, or so we're being Supposedly. told. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the uh, the drama of week one. A lot of great finishes, a nice start to the 2022 regular season. But before we get to that, Let's get to what I thought was maybe the big statement of week one. Let us head to the desert. Hardman and Edward Zelaya in the backfield at the same time. They shovel it inside. Edward Zelaya, touchdown! Kansas City, two drives, two touchdowns. A play they love to run to Kelsey. They go to Clyde Edward Zelaya, and the Chiefs are on fire in this first quarter of the season. Well said by Mitch Holtis. Oh, it's, we're gonna, all our friends are coming back. They're back in the house. Mitch Holtis is back with us. WDAF. No Tyreek Hill? No problem for Patrick Mahomes, who threw for 360 and five touchdowns in the Chiefs' 44-21 win over the Cardinals in Arizona. Mark, we all felt confident in Andy Reid's ability to move forward without Hill. One of the best playmakers ever, by the way. But it was surprising how immediate and insanely successful they were right out of the shoot. I mean, you can look at this game, I think, in two ways. One, the Chiefs are, I think, way better than we would have even expected. And their new offense looks dashing. Or the Cardinals are a hot, gigantic, roaming, mm-hmm. dissolving mess. Um I am giving the credit here to the Chiefs because... Was that the first roaming, dissolving mess of the season? Let me I mark think, it down. Yeah. All right, go Check on. Check the box. <laughs> I just thought Patrick Mahomes, I mean, and it's 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 almost a tiresome exercise to try to describe Patrick Mahomes when he is playing this way. But the offense, which had gone through a transition, it was this whole business, like, can they possibly mask the loss of Tyreek Hill? They look better to me. And I, I know they're playing a terrible defense that's compromised a cornerback, but he played a nearly perfect first half. I mean, they could have put up 
way more points than they did. A few little things hadn't happened to them. They lost Harrison Butker, their kicker, for part of the game. Um, he looked like he was severely injured, and then he came back too. So they they dodged that bullet. But I think if you watch this offense, they're using a lot of two tight, three tight end sets. Um, their running game to me looks much more vibrant. I think that's been maybe one thing in the last couple of seasons where the run game, they didn't really have a classic lead guy and it sometimes didn't seem to come together. I uh, did today. I think Clyde Edwards-Solaire looked as good as I've seen him look. Uh, the, the wide receiver situation, they're fine. They're fine. I just think this this is the Andy Reid one game in, you have to say I they think, completely succeeded and so Greg, far. I'll tee you up like this because we went into the Sunday saying, you know, Mahomes and Rodgers, two of the greats, mm. are entering this season with new supporting cast with big changes with a Hall of Fame receiver leaving the building. And Mahomes, and he's your MVP pick, so I know you're feeling good about this, did not miss a beat. And that's a credit, of course, to him, but also Andy Reid. Yeah, you were saying, you know, Andy Reid doesn't get the credit and, you know, that he's the one cooking up all those He's a mad scientist, plays. not just a nice grandfather. Right, he's the one who's doing the Belichick, what we think Bo Belichick should be doing in the offseason. Not that he's not doing it, too, but he's not doing it on offense <laughs> what he's doing. like this. And it's not just, okay we're going to come up with these crazy passing plays. It's the running plays where I think they get the most creative and they're using the athleticism of their offensive linemen, like the big like run game uh, type of dorks. And I'm saying this fondly, a guy I think of Chris Brown on, on Twitter who does smart football is noticing how they're doing these like power shovel plays at the goal line with their fullbacks, which is like taking it all the way back to like Newt Rockney, Clark Shaughnessy, like old style style (laughs) football before you even knew what the passing game was. And if you can mix a little bit of that and the passing game and the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes feeling like, okay, you guys are sleeping on me a little bit. This is what you get. 33 first downs in 66 plays. I know this is the first game, but we will not have a better stat in this entire show than that. That is outrageous. I've never heard such a thing. Yeah, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a guy that I know fantasy owners have been frustrated because as a former first-round pick, he was supposed to be an unstoppable chess piece when they brought him into the team two years ago, and he kind of faded out of the game plan by the end of last season. But the way he was being deployed here, yes, Juju Smith-Schuster hits the ground running, productive. Travis Kelsey, as dominant as ever. So, yes, the Chiefs are humming. The Chiefs are going to be okay. And a reminder that they should be seen as the favorite in the AFC West. On the other side of the ball here, uh, Sessi, you know, there's some lipstick on the pig here with Kyler Murray's numbers, but it was ugly. It was ugly all the way around. The offense, all right, maybe they got put in a bad spot, but the defense wasn't even competitive. Well, the defense looks awful. I mean, they, they go watch how wide open Chiefs targets are. I mean, there's there's multiple plays where there's no one around them, and they and they got they're already bad at cornerback. They lost a cornerback in early on in the game, and Byron Murphy. I, I I don't even know if he came back, but it didn't matter. They Trayvon were just Mullen a, didn't play at all. Who he they, did not who play. They traded for and I on offense. It's like I, first of all, I don't want to overreact to this one week, but I think they have some real <laughs> issues. Uh, the, the, you don't have DeAndre Hopkins. We get that. You lost Rondale Moore days ago. Uh, they don't really have. They just look, look discombobulated to me. And with Kyler Murray, I mean, when he's good, he's good. But I thought that you he missed a, a, a bunch of wide-open guys today. Mm. And something that's going on with Kyler Murray, is his, I think he just sometimes maybe doesn't see the field. He was also under duress a bunch. I mean, it was just a messy, messy outing. And 
after this whole journey where we've re-signed the coach, we've re-signed the GM, we've extended the quarterback thinking this is the vision, this is the offense that you want to say, you know, it's the NFC version where Andy Reid can go cook it up, but so can Cliff Kingsbury. That was the whole concept here. And they just, to me, looked like they picked up where they left off, which was not a good place. Wait, what did you say uh, in the newsroom? They should they should just surprise everyone and give another extension. To yeah, that's a good way to change game. the narrative. <laughs> yeah. Just keep on handing out extensions because you're in deep now. The, the Bidwills <laughs> and the entire Cardinals organization, they were so convinced of being right about this QB, this coach, and this GM that they were handing out money like it was it's nothing. Week one. It's week one. It was, but it's also I, like I every, every, all the concerns that we had about the Cardinals, how last year ended. Also, you know how no defenses throughout Patrick Mahomes' career have, has blitzed them at all because it's like poison. Uh, today, they decided to try to flip the script in Arizona. They were the first team in Patrick Mahomes' career to blitz him more than half of the snaps. Uh, that did not work out well. How many, oh, it did not fare well many, for them. How many How many uh, of all three of us, how many It's Week 1s are we going to hear today? Okay, okay. But I'll, it's fair. It's fair. You Everything needs to be kept in in that mindset because the preseason's you know what it is now. It's going to take time for these teams, but the Cardinals clearly were not ready. Shout out to Justin Reed, by the way, who replaced Harrison Butker as place kicker uh, for the Chiefs for the, in the first half and went one of two on PATs and blasted a kickoff out of the end zone. Yeah, no, I think he's... They, That's remarkable. It's not the first person you'd think of, a safety as your backup kicker, but that first PAT, he nailed it. He could, be, he could be a kickoff specialist. Yeah. The Colts could have used him today. That was the greatest show of athleticism I've seen mm. so far this season. All right, so Chiefs rolling, cards hurting. Let's check in. Oh, with... I also locked this up, by the way. When you lock <laughs> it up, you done. don't even want to sweat it. You just want to see That's a... a nice one. You want to see a whole... We, did, we all did very nice for the most part. Uh, not yes, not everyone. not everyone. So the, the Chiefs are already set up for a f- huge TNF matchup with an AFC West rival this week, and that rival was playing the Raiders. Let's get into that game. Shotgun snap, looking right. Carr climbs the pocket, hit, grab, and he has dropped. The ball is out, and the Chargers have it. The Chargers have it. Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. It was a Khalil Mack strip sack. You heard it there. Matt Moneysmith, Daniel Jeremiah, KYSR. Khalil Mack sack fumble of Derek Carr in fourth down near midfield was the difference for the Chargers, who jumped out to a fast start then held on to defeat the Raiders 24-19 at SoFi Stadium. Listen, did I think that the Chargers... We're going to charge with that thing up at the end. Yeah, I had I had some serious doubts about Los Angeles' ability to close that game out. And yet, Derek Carr just wasn't going to let it happen because this mm. is one of those games with Carr where you start to think, geez, all the, all the criticisms that he gets and there'll be pushback from Raider fans or people in the family or whatever it is. But he put the ball on the ground. He threw three interceptions. And I think if they get better quarterback play in this game, they do steal it from the Chargers, who were were vulnerable by the end of this game. Wow. I mean, it, it's not really his thing to make mistakes like that. What, what were they about? Were they mental errors? Were the, the pass rushes getting to him? Because Cleo Mack had a day. Maybe he just started getting a little frantic. It was. I, I think maybe he seemed a little scattered in this game. And, and it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't terrible. He did, for instance, connect with Devontae Adams repeatedly. Adams had 10 catches for 140 yard, 41 yards and a touchdown on 17 targets. So, you know, I think this is, again, the week one side of this. 
it's going to take some time to calibrate this thing and find ways to keep Darren Waller involved, uh, to have Hunter Renfro involved. Remember how important Renfro was. Three for 21 today. Waller had a good game, four for 79 after yeah, he a new contract over the weekend, by the way. But I think with, with Carr, you kind of saw that. Um, perhaps maybe he's trying to figure out how he wants to do this. But yeah, I think he got mixed up a little bit this game. I think he got put in a blender and he made mistakes that, that cost him this game. I mean, the, the two fumbles that he had also, they, they were lucky and fortunate not to lose them. But one of them, when we were watching this together, it was the classic just holding the ball too long and allowing the pressure to find him. I mean, he was getting... He was he was running around back there. I think this one note, beyond the fact that the Chargers, we were wondering, almost gave this game away. The defensive parts, like Khalil Mack looked like... He looked great today. And, and that's big. I didn't really know what we were going to get from Khalil Mack necessarily. Over the course of the season, we'll see. Three sacks... He, Four QB hits. Right. He fits in this defense. Brandon Stilley went and got him because he knows who he is. And right away, he was the difference in this game. And Keenan Allen went out of this game with a hamstring early. Uh, and that was, you know, we'll keep an eye on that because Allen is such an important part of what the Chargers do. But you had a guy like DeAndre Carter who stepped in and he scores a touchdown. He has another big conversion. He goes three for 64. Gerald Everett carries in. Um, a Raiders a defender backing into the end zone for another touchdown. That was a crazy play. Yeah, and I think uh, Herbert played a Herbert game. Uh, he starts out his season very well, mistake-free uh, football, and uh, in front of a lot of Raiders fans, the game was played across the street from us. Uh, the Chargers, and we've talked about this with the Rams too, you could tell they 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 figured out how we play in our own building now. It's different than most stadiums. It's different than most teams have to deal with. But they took took care of business. This is a nice way for the Chargers to start the season because we've seen it too often where they find a game like this and it, it, it goes away, goes the wrong way, and then when they miss the playoffs by a game, you're like, oh, what about that week one? Well, and you. You tank said job it. we had. They've got the Chiefs next week. You could not let this one slip away and go in, deal with Kansas City at 0-1. Right. And the, you think about the difference in that Kansas City game, for instance, they're probably going to be without Keenan Allen. And so now you can afford maybe to do that because Herbert's at the point where he's making guys better. But I'm a little worried about a situation. No one had more than four targets on this team where it's like DeAndre Carter... Trey McKitty had three catches. Xander Horvath uh, had a touchdown. I mean, I feel like I'm just making up names here. Whereas Palm, you know, Josh Palmer and, and Mike Williams, the guys you expected, didn't do much of anything. On the flip side of Mac was uh, the Raiders' big acquisition, Chandler Jones, who, from at least what I read, uh, I gotta watch this closely. Uh, Rayshon Slater shut down pretty well throughout the game. They're they're great. Their pass rush barely showed up in this. I like uh, this Trey McKitty. I think that's a, I don't know if that's a that's, real name, but that's, I like that. uh, that's like a Sessler name. Xander Horvath also felt like a Sessler name. There is there is a tendency for you know to get on the quarterback too much and then not bring up the offensive line, and I think that was a issue in this game as well. He was sacked six times, Carr, and um, Vegas was shifting around their unit. They used three different uh, combinations um, in their offensive line, trying to find that stability. So. Yeah, I think this is a their work in progress. They have the Cardinals next week, so that's a team. Depending how you look at it, you know the, you're either getting the Cardinals at a good time or the worst time. Uh, but that becomes an important game for the Raiders because you know the Chiefs are going to be off and running this. One season. quick question, like Josh McDaniels, did you notice Josh McDaniels esque elements to the offense? Was it was it just a lot of focus on Devontae Adams because the run the ground game did not. I didn't numbers wise. I, I can't great. give you a real take on the Josh okay. McDaniels esque. Uh, flair to the offense. All I could tell you is that 
it didn't do much. They didn't do enough. How about the sideline shots? Did he seem as agitated Ooh, and question. or fired up as he was at points of his Broncos career? You know what? I'm going to have to go back and watch the Josh McDaniel <laughs> sideline shots as well. Yeah. We didn't. So, so we didn't. Uh, we're yeah. putting a lot of heat on you. Yeah, we didn't. Exactly. We didn't help you out there with those um, last two questions. All right, let's now. So those are two like games that are interesting. So you have the Chiefs making a huge statement, the Cardinals laying an egg, the Chargers refusing to charger and the Raiders after a lot of hype stumbling out of the gates. But now let's get to something fun. Let's get to a crazy ending. Sorry, Gravedigger. Let's go to Nashville. Jones takes the snap, rolls right, shovel pass for Barkley. Barkley in for the two-point conversion. Oh, a little shovel pass to Saquon, and then he did the rest, taking on defenders, and the Giants have the lead 21-20 with 106 to go. That's playing to win there, Bob. Mm. <laughs> yes, it is. Bob Papa and Carl Banks with the call. WFAN. Hey, you know what? I, hey, this is Carl <laughs> Rigo Park. Oh no! I'll tell you what. The difference between Dable and Joe Judge: one guy plays to win, one guy doesn't play at all. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> He's also not wrong that call. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Jones had a one-yard touchdown pass, to Chris Miark, and it was followed by a, that gutsy two-point <laughs> conversion <laughs> by I don't care if it's if it's Miark. It's Myrick. Myrick. It's Miark to me. I understand you're taking editorial, you know, free freebies with that, but yeah. I, I don't approve. Uh, gutsy two-point conversion by Saquon Barkley there, and then setting up Big Bone Randy to push a 47-yarder, which or uh, pull a 47-yarder, which, Greggy, I predicted in the newsroom live, even pointed to the exact spot on the screen. It was amazing. Where he, Bullock's ball was going to go. Dan <laughs> literally like traced the arc of where the ball was going to go in front of a stunned newsroom, and then the ball went exactly where that arc was. I was, it was I don't impressive. know how that happened either. A but uh, You're a After the Jets played that, I could use the W, and I got one. Anyway, it all added up to a stunning 21-20 Giants win over the the Titans let's bring in a devastated grave digger who you know this is his maiden um, flagship program as our main producer and uh, you know we asked him to be our voice on this one to follow this game to cover right. it, and then helped us help us dissect it and this is a tough way to get thrown into the fire uh, how you doing buddy you know it's all good it's just <laughs> football it's not like in my life or anything <laughs> No. I mean, you, you seemed like a, a sad puppy dog about half an hour ago. You little, recovered, little you're better now. It's definitely a disappointing way to open the season, obviously, but week ones are like this all around the, the league right now. <laughs> Packers losing, Rams losing. <laughs> you know, you can never predict well, how week ones Well, take us through it a little bit, Gravedigger, yeah. uh, because this is a game that Tennessee was in control of. Where did things start to kind of spin out for him? Yeah, the Titans looked like the dominant team in the first half, winning in all phases, explosive punt return, forcing three and outs. They were getting after Daniel Jones, had like four or five sacks in the first half, I think. And then in the second half, they gave up big plays. It was like the Giants weren't moving the ball effectively on Tennessee, but they had a huge shot to Sterling Shepard for a touchdown, an explosive Saquon Barkley 68-yard run, another 33-yard run. And with nine minutes left, the Giants were poised to tie the game 20-13, to and Daniel Jones made a horrible decision, really the only bad decision he made all day, looking in the end zone and just stared down a receiver. Amani Hooker was all over it from the beginning and broke on it and intercepted it in the end zone. It was like, all right, Titans can close this out now with the ball, mm. nine minutes to go at their own 20-yard line. Titans go three and out quickly, punt it away. 
the the Giants get a huge run from Saquon Barkley, a 33-yard run, and then um, I even, mean, yeah, yeah, he, I mean, looked, I was he say, looked great today. The Saquon Barkley development, great. and I understand that Saquon is on a New York Giant Giant team that even today's result notwithstanding is uh, a work in progress and a team that's rebuilding. But that makes them interesting in the NFC East. If he is going to have 164 total yards, or excuse me, 194 total yards, he had the two-point conversion, the longest run from play from scrimmage for the Giants since Daniel Jones's 80-yard stumble run on primetime a couple of years ago. That was huge. That helped turn this game as well. Yeah, Saquon Barkley was borderline unstoppable. I mean, even when it felt like the Titans were bottling him up, he was muscling forward for for extra yards. And the difference in the game, I think, was the explosive plays. I mean, the Giants had big explosive plays that set them up for scores. The Titans had a couple big explosives in the passing game, but not enough to sustain success on offense and like keep the Giants offense off the field at the end of the game when they had to close it out. And I thought Tannehill looked pretty good. He had a couple misses in there, but overall, pretty good game for Tannehill. Derrick Henry, I will say, looks a step slower than mm. he does when he's at his peak. And that could just be early season. Derrick Henry, he he usually takes a few weeks to really get going. Or it could be a 28-year-old running back coming off a major foot injury that doesn't have the same juice he used to have. But I do think if you're a Giants fan, you have to be encouraged by the way they stuck with it because at halftime, it felt like this was going to end in a blowout for Tennessee, and the Giants came out in the second half and made all hey, the Brian plays. Hey, Brian Dable, teams don't give up. I, but you know what? I know I get that that's a joke, but like, um, I, I do think that this was a big day for Brian Dable because a couple things. I, I think we showed it during our highlight package, too. He got in the face of Daniel Jones after that one mistake and was just jawing him out. I like that. I think it's like he's ch- So this is your one year to, to figure out what you are, Daniel Jones, or you're out of here. And the coaching decision at the end to point instead of tying it up how many like compare that to what lovey smith did in houston today which we'll get to later i mean I, compared I to the last this. head coach who did a to the uh, years of third down, play calling and everything a else th- right a, a third down kneel in their own goal line well, compared that was, to virtually right, yeah. any coach in the league because they're down a point there the analytics would actually say i, I don't know this for a fact but i'm guessing would be much more down on going for the two there because there's still a minute left that you give the other team a chance to go win that's m- more traditionally a place you just take the points because there's a minute left, the other team can get set up to win, which the Titans, you know, did, right. by the way. So you're taking all that risk without the payoff. But I love that it's trusting your best player, Saquon Barkley. And I'm so glad I got to see that highlight, bef- you know, as we're, we're talking. If you're watching us on YouTube, it's, it's also going up there um, for all our audio listeners. His lateral quickness on that play is what got it done. I mean, the Titans linebacker is in position to Two make that play. Two linebackers or no, a defensive lineman right and a linebacker. And he can just scoot. And you could see that in the little bit of practice footage and the preseason that we saw of Barkley that like, wow, that lateral explosion uh, is absolutely back. Another preseason star, Kyle Phillips, who we kept talking up, uh, was the leading receiver. At the time. How, how yeah, is anyway. Traylon Burks, by the way? Because his numbers looked like he maybe stopped finally, you know, indulging in edibles before practicing games. <laughs> Traylon Burks looked pretty good. I mean, he had a few big catches. He was targeted on another one that, that um, didn't come down with, but he looked pretty good. Kyle Phillips was pretty good, but Kyle Phillips had a almost killer muffed punt which is what set up the Amani Hooker I get it, but he ran a perfect route he and made did. a perfect catch to set up the game-winning play. And, and that, that was that was a timing type of throw that you have to trust he's going to be exactly where it was. And that gets me to one thing that drives me crazy in the NFL, how badly botched that end-of-game sequence yes. was by Vrabel. The head coach of the year did not 
play that very well. He They used a timeout to prevent a delay of game. Ryan Tannehill had the snap off, but they had already called the timeout to prevent the delay and of game. You shouldn't so call, I would have rather have. taken five yards at that point than I, than I would yeah. waste the timeout. So you, you lose your timeout. Or, you had two or three plays left there. Instead, they back up three or four yards to make Big Bone Randy yeah. hit it right to Dan's uh, Don't arc. ever. I don't know why coaches do this. Don't ever settle for a 45 to 48-yard field goal. With 18 when you seconds can get closer. left, it's exhausting. Running a quick it's, out, get five, ten more yards. You have to factor in the moment as well. This is not the guys just stroking it in practice. You need to give them more uh, latitude there, and, and you put your kicker in a bad spot, and he failed you, and that's the way it is. Happens and by the all way, the time. And by the way, the, he also looked like he knew he was going to miss that kick. The, the look on his face, I just... Well, that's, mm, some look on his face. That's that's little, well, I like that. Um, the Titans now, they do this for a reason, the schedule makers. They give you the cookie to start the season <laughs> at home against the G-Men. And then they say, we're giving you the cookie because we're sending you to Buffalo next week. And guess what? Monday night, they have to now play the Bills, uh, the Titans, and the Giants get the Panthers. So they're potentially set up for a nice start to their season. We're just getting started here. Let's take a break, and then we're going we're gonna to welcome in an old friend. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, welcome back. Here we are. I told you a friend was joining us. And there he is, a man ready to be married now. Nick Shook. Ooh. Welcome back to the flagship program. It's another season together. And congratulations on your upcoming nuptials, sir. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I hate to kill the the running podcast bit, but <laughs> it had been long enough. I had to get the job done, you know. Yeah. Well, how much do you? How much credit do you give Dan and and this show? It's a good question. Hopefully, uh, a lot. I would imagine you know, for getting it done because he's been putting pressure on you for a long time. I would give it fifty percent to get the ball rolling, oh, and wow. then you know, <laughs> then the other fifty percent was me. I mean, it's a lot, right? You know, no, I'm just kidding. I, I you got you guys gave me a little nudge, but it was going to happen regardless. <laughs> uh, I was actually waiting to make it real special in L.A., and then uh, I got tired of waiting and just said, well, there's a nice beach on Lake Erie in the sun setting. And there I woke up that morning. and was just said, I'm doing it today. Well, would you, uh, did you put the ring on a credit card or do you have that cash stored away like a, a wise investor? Hmm. Funny that you asked that. Interestingly enough, uh, <laughs> when I first met her, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I didn't have a sa- <laughs> I didn't have a savings account. And that was my inspiration to actually start a savings account was because I one day I thought, you know, I think she might be the Who one. Who said if romance she's the one, is dead? Look at Shook. Right? He started yeah. a savings account for <laughs> that smart. woman. That's, that's All right. Congratulations, yeah. Shook. Let's dig in on some AFC North heat starting with a trip to Cincinnati, checking in with the defending American Football Conference champions. Straight away kick. Good snap. Down. Kick is on its way. That kick is long enough. High enough. And it is it's good. good. The kick is good. The Steelers survive in Cincinnati. How it happened, it'll take you an hour, me an hour, to tell you. (laughs) Bill Hillgrove with the call, WDVE. That might have been Craig Wolfley yelling in the background. Chris Boswell kicked at 53-yard field goals. Time expired in overtime, and the Steelers overcome 
TJ Watts injury late in the fourth quarter to beat the Bengals 23-20. It was sloppy for both sides, but uh, at the end, Shook, Pittsburgh's win here felt like a near miracle. You had the Bengals failing to convert a PAT at the end of regulation that would have won the game. Then they have a short field goal blocked. I think uh, the snapper was involved in both miscues here. And that opened the door for Trubisky and then Boswell to get it done. And we'll get to we'll get to TJ Watt in a second. But first, let's focus on what was a gutty win for Pittsburgh. Yeah, a gutty win powered by their defense. I mean, we, 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 I think Greg would attest to this too. The Steelers defense has a reputation for being good, but it wasn't as good as maybe we thought last year. They reversed that narr- uh, that narrative today. I mean, they came out like gangbusters. Mika Fitzpatrick picks off Joe Burrow's first pass of the season for a pick six. Uh, TJ Watt jumps up and gets a pick. There's a forced fumble. They're all over him all day. That revamped offensive line struggled specifically at left guard, and the Steelers took advantage of that. They put them on short fields. Trubisky didn't have to do too much offensively because two of their four scoring drives started in Cincinnati territory. It wasn't until they actually kicked the game winner that they went close to the length of the field to get in position for that. And that wasn't even close really to the length of the field, but they started on their own 20. So all the credit in the world goes to their defense. Their offense still has some steps to take forward, but man, this is a group that made some additions in the off season. And all of those additions really paid off. Cam Sutton had a nice up and down performance where he made some big plays, had some, also some big errors, but redeemed himself. If you're a Steelers fan, you got to feel excited, not because of what you saw necessarily from Mitch Trubisky, but the fact that that defense is, looks like it's back to where you expect it to be. And if it can be like this all year, then you're going to be in every game you play. Yeah. But is it going to be like that without TJ Watt? It, he, he left yeah. with a pectoral injury. The report is that, uh, you know, they're, they're feeling, fearing it's a torn pectoral injury. He was almost seen mouthing. It, I tore my pec. So that that's what they think. And that'll usually keep you out for much of the season. Term, yep. uh, and they're thin there. And yes, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm looking forward to watching it, but it's pretty rare that you win a game or a game needs to go to overtime when you win the turnover battle 5-0. It's like a little bit of a double-edged sword there where you, you lost the first down battle 32-13. to uh, And it's great that they ended up getting the win there, but you would almost expect uh, that them to win by more in that kind of situation. Yeah, they didn't sustain the offense that you wanted. Um, uh, you know, Trubisky hit some passes that you were like, oh, okay, look. He looks pretty decent. Pat Fryermuth down the sideline, finding a couple different guys down the sideline. But if you look at it statistically, very average, 21 to 38, a passer rating below 80. And they lost the time of possession battle in a big way that, like you mentioned with the first down difference, they didn't sustain drives for most of the day. Najee Harris was uh, his rushing yards over expected were in the negative. So they didn't block well enough for him to really. And he was hurt too. Right. He left the, the game for a big chunk of it. Yeah, he left with a foot injury and he, he had a list Frank injury in camp, too, so that's concerning. Keep an eye on that. It's the same foot. Uh, yeah, the Bengals had the ball for 43 minutes and 43 seconds uh, in this game. It did go through overtime to the very end. But, yeah, that would be my concern, and I'm looking forward to watching this game because, yes, it's a gutty win, maybe a miracle win, uh, but 231 yards of total offense and maybe Najee Harris down now. And now you take out T.J. Watt for maybe the season, maybe into deep into the second half. And you, you feel like, Mark, that maybe the Steelers, even with a win today, you, there's reason to be concerned. Well, I think there's it, their offensive line is a major concern. They're lucky that they have Mitch Trubisky. What the assets that he brings is mobility, his escapability. I don't think they're going to be able to work themselves out of jams week after week. This this kind of was the weirdest game. I was watching this from wire to wire, and it's one of the weirdest performances. I have to ask you this, though, Nick, because you look at Joe Burrow, and I... 
the Bengals all offseason, I feel like they were being disrespected a little bit as and thinking people they might tail off a little bit. But Joe Burrow was the reason that you had faith they get back to where they were. Uh, did you come out of this with genuine concern for Joe Burrow? Or was it just an off day? I felt more like an off day, some rust, some lack of reps. I mean, he did miss, miss a good portion of training camp with that appendix sure. uh, removal. So it, it felt like he was kind of shaking off the rust and he made some bad decisions. He was also pressured into some bad decisions. Like I said, the left guard was a huge problem for me watching their offensive line play. Cause that's supposed to be the one weakness that they improved in the off season. And it just didn't stand up today. It didn't hold up against the test of the Steelers front and you give Pittsburgh some credit, but you know, he still made plays. He still got them in situations to be able to score and led them back. But I mean, they, they're in the red zone on multiple occasions and struggling to get three yards, struggling to get into the end zone when they're on the doorstep of the goal line. They need fourth down to be able to score the game tying touchdown. They leave points on the board just before halftime because, again, they're right on the doorstep of the end zone and they don't convert. So th- their strength with Burrow is downfield. But when the field gets shortened, I am a little concerned about their ability to move the football there. They're not going to face a, st- a defense like this every week. But so, I mean, to answer your question in, in kind of a rambling way, it was more rust than anything. I still have confidence in him. He still made the plays. I think he's just got to get his feet underneath him. The uh, This was a really fun game to watch by the end of it. It was almost exhausting because those late games <laughs> were starting end. and you were like, all right, guys, let's wrap this up. It's a, it's a little sloppy. My favorite call call. And I think Greg and I both reacted in real time to it was Ian Eagle. Boswell won the game with the long kick, but he nearly won it earlier in overtime with a kick at the last moment, knuckled and drilled the upright at like 87 miles per hour. Let's listen into Ian Eagle with the call from 55 yards away. Boswell. What is happening here? <laughs> uh, Gravedigger, we might want to trim what is happening here for our own show going forward. Uh, all right, Shook. So that's the situation with the Steelers. That's the situation with the Bengals, who, by the way, go to Dallas to get the Cowboys next week at 0-1. Mm. Now, what a come down there for the Bengals. Yeah. And, you know, the I know one last thing on that because it's so important. They had the game won on the late Jamar Chase touchdown as time expired. Uh, and they they get the PAT blocked by who else? Minka Fitzpatrick. And then uh, there was an issue on the snap as well on the short field goal kick. What was the background there with the the snapper and what happened with the Bengals? The background was that was not their starting long snapper. That was a, a replacement who was kind of thrown in there. And <laughs> obviously they had some that feels like an there. underrated fact, uh, like plot line in football, whether it's the long snapper or the kicker, there's nobody behind him. You could trust. So no, when those, guys, those guys right. go out, you're in trouble. Work, for sure. There, there is nothing yeah, worse though. Like for, for a Bengal season that was just riding as high as possible until the very end last year to lose to the Steelers at home. Uh, missing these two types of kicks. That's as bad as 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 it gets. All right. And let's now move to, listen, we don't know where Mark's journey is as a fan, but I know Shooky, he's born and bred. He's Ohio. And the Browns had a game today against the Carolina Panthers, and it ended well. 13 seconds remaining. He lines it up. Bojorquez with his knee on the ground at the 48. Hewlett over the ball. Back. He's into it. Line drive. End over end. The kick is up, and it is. And it is good. And York hit the field goal from 58 yards out with eight seconds left to go in the ball game. Great call by Jim Donovan, WKRK. Here's the quote from Mark Adam Sessler immediately to my left. Not my middle name. Oh, God. Cleveland just won. 
What does it mean? We're going to get into that later. What was the inflection all about? What, what great wh- tease. What was in his, Professional his heart and his head? Rookie Cade York kicked a go-ahead 58-yard field goal with eight seconds to play. Kareem Hunt scored two times. And the Browns said, Baker, you're not going to have anybody up. Vengeance denied. 26-24 win over the Panthers for the Browns in Charlotte. Shooky, the Browns had a messy offseason, to say the least, but a dramatic win in the season opener is how they wanted to turn the page. Yeah, and part of the offseason transition included a replacement of color commentator in the booth. The person you hear screaming and almost voice cracking is Nathan Zagura, the senior broadcaster for the team. He's made his color commentary debut. Uh, Shout out to him and understanding that uh, he couldn't control his emotions in that situation. He's an enthusiastic individual. (laughs) Yeah, he certainly is. Uh, So, I mean, this, this is a game that, Result-wise, surprised me. I had picked the Panthers and and got all the heat from the Browns fans this week, understandably so. Um, and I, mainly because I didn't think the Browns could actually put up this many points. Not that 26 is a lot of points, but if you watch their offense in this game, they can't move the ball very consistently unless it's on the ground. They ran the crap out of the football on the ground, had over 200 rushing yards as a team. I think the finish of 217 on the ground. Obviously, Nick Chubb carrying the way with 141 on 22 carries, but Kareem Hunt was really the X factor offensively. He had a touchdown reception, lined up as a fullback in the I formation on the goal line, which is a dead giveaway. Fullback flat. Hello, they're going to throw it to Hunt in the flat. Look out for that. The Panthers did not. Uh, but he also <laughs> ripped off a nice touchdown in a, uh, run. Nutshell there. That regime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not not prepared in the situation with the personnel, but that and then Donovan Peoples-Jones made a handful of really clutch catches throughout the game. That's a guy that the Browns are really going to need to step up offensively. So the story of the game is controlled the clock, controlled possession on the ground and did enough defensively to help yourself field position wise, get in situations where you can maybe put some points on the board. They left a lot of points out there on the field, however, which is concerning and goes back to why I picked them to lose this game. Shooky, the... And as much as we can deride Carolina's coaching staff, the idea that anyone thinks that Jacoby Brissett with that surrounding cast of playmakers uh, is going to put up big points. Nobody thinks that. So uh, was Char- was Carolina stacking the box? We have eight and nine facing uh, these two running backs because that feels like how everyone should be playing the Browns and they shouldn't be able to move the ball at all. Not on a per down basis. There were times where I only saw six guys in the box and you got to credit the Browns offensive line. The one thing they've been able to do under Kevin Stefanski is block well on outside runs. They were able to do that very effectively today and give Nick Chubb Mm. just enough room to hit that one cut and burst up the field and rip off some nice runs. I think I saw a graphic late in the game where it was average down in distance on third down. The Panthers were something like 10 plus and the Browns were at 6.6. And that all goes back to the fact that you can stay on schedule in first and second down running the football. Even late when they had to get in position to kick that game winning field goal, they were still going to the run because they knew it was their best way to move the football. So they're built to be able to win games like this if they can get defensive stops. They played a really good half defensively until the final possession for the Panthers. They had some blown coverages, and then the avalanche came because, again, they blew some coverages. It looked like Baker Mayfield was going to lead a comeback win, but ultimately Mm. the Browns got something that they never get in this situation, which is a clutch kick. Usually they're on the losing end of this situation. I'm sitting there watching it. Bridget's here, my you know now my fiance. Bridget, and I'm looking at her, no chance he makes this. Bridget. No chance he makes this. That he's he, he's not making this field goal. They're losing this game, and he drilled it. So nice turn of events for the Browns. When the last time they won an opener, which I mean, I mentioned this 400 times on the broadcast, was the first year I moved to LA, which is 2004. That is an absurd um, anti-streak right there. So this was big for the Browns. It sure was. Uh, Shooky, any other thoughts about Mayfield? Did you think that he played well in this game? I know it started off extremely slowly, but he really came on and almost stole it. 
he was putrid in the first half. A lot of the familiar things for Baker uh, passes knocked down the line of scrimmage, really ugly interception thrown offense looking out of sync. But when guys were open, he did find them and he really hit his stride in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. It looked like a textbook Mayfield mm. comeback game, but this time he did not end up on the winning end. This was a tough spot. I, I, I wanted both of these teams to lose. And not that I was a huge Baker fan before the last couple of weeks, but he's completely lost me. So I was rooting against him. And then the, of course, rooting against the Browns sort of semi-permanently. So it was like there was no way to win this game. What was up with the uh, Christian McCaffrey usage here? Only 14 touches. Uh, is this go back to them now just being so paranoid about him getting hurt that they're really trying to ease him out of the offense a little bit? Hmm. Well, they tried to get him the ball early, and the Browns did a really good job of bottling him up. It wasn't until the second half that he really made a difference. He had a nice run on third and seven where he broke four tackles to move the chains on one of their key scoring drives. But yeah, just not a big enough of a focal part of the offense. And and the big reason was, is they just had no rhythm offensively. They had no opportunity to kind of continuously feed him the football because they were constantly behind schedule third and long. And the Browns knew that the screens were coming and, and it just didn't give him a lot of opportunities. Now he did score a touchdown going airborne, which I was like, Oh man, don't get hurt just because of how he's gotten hurt in the past. Uh, I would anticipate that they work him in more because that's their best chance. No matter who they have at receiver and tight end, he's still their best chance to go win games. So they have to be feeding him more than they did on Sunday. All right. So now let's talk. Um, Greg, I'll, I'll start with you on this. Just you wow. and me. Um, where did you where did you see Sessler? How was Sessy in the newsroom to you? And we've known him for a decade. And yeah. <laughs> no one loves the Browns more than Mark Sessler. And it shook, it shook, you know, in the distant rear view. I'm sorry, Nick. Like this was, this was the Mark that we knew was in love. And I thought some of the comments he was making yeah. maybe spoke to that was still inside him, which was my curiosity entering Sunday's action. Right. I mean, it really, you can even go back to Wednesday or so on our text thread when he found out that this was Shook's game. And he was like, what? That Shook's game? That, that right uh-huh, there was the early uh-huh, tell. Uh-huh. That was an early tell. But it was like, okay, you can still watch but... it. You can still watch it. Uh, well, that's kind of the point. Right. And then you, you mentioned that <laughs> quote that he said, oh God, the Browns won. And I'll let you talk about the tone of that quote. Yeah. But, but one thing I've noticed. Oh, there Mark, was one more. I haven't marked, okay. by the way, at uh, 3.54 p.m. Eastern when uh, apparently the quarterback for Cleveland uh, did something. Jacoby Brissett making a play. Right, right. I do well, remember it was, that. It was a rare sight. In hmm. a, in a, but if you kind of just make that a different game, is he saying Kirk Cousins making a play Didn't in that situation? That. I don't, I, no, I don't hear, hear that. that. Well, so one on. thing I've noticed over the years with Mark, though, is post-Browns game. So I'm going to take it till the game's over. We'll get to you, Mark. Just hang on a second. Post-Browns game, <laughs> following a victory... Um, he'll be really excited for the early parts of the next game. Absolutely. He'll be super into it. He'll be like really fired up about what's happening to Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes and certain things. If they win, if they lose, sometimes it's a it's a little bit more of a quieter mark. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he had a special sort of zeal, even post in the step. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything bounce. had a little more light to it. So just well, this is your impression. <laughs> Shook, do you have any take on this? Anything you've been watching from a distance with Mark? I think it's uh, Greg summed it up best in a text. He asked me what my games were for this week. And of course I listed the Browns and, uh, and the Panthers. And he texted me back. You will make it easier for Mark to give up the Browns. Yep. And I said, I will bear his cross. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice of you. All right. Do you have anything to add about, did you feel <laughs> I, anything, you know, flicker inside you during that stirring comeback there at the end? I I'm trying to explain this to you probably <laughs> twice, three times a week. I'm comfortable with 
my decision. And I actually was enjoying football more in general today because I wasn't emotionally attached to one team. Well, because was it because the Browns won? And I, like, I, again, that did not really... Mo- I, know what, I know what we're attempting to do here. Um, Greg, I think yeah, I was, co- I was probably commenting on, uh, on eight or nine games today. Sure, and you know but that, now, so. now we have to read into that he's going to try to camouflage yeah, it in a way that he knows we're going to do conversations like this. But the thing that gets me more than anything is him repeating insistently, I feel nothing. It's no different than any other game. So mm-hmm. how could that even be possible? How could you feel nothing? Even if you're somehow landing in the middle, you still have all this history. You have Baker Mayfield was the guy. You have Deshaun... Watson and that idea which turned you off so much. You have all your years with the Browns and yet that lands on I feel nothing. That doesn't all add up. You, even if it's confusing, you surely feel something. That's your psychology. I'm, and this is not, I don't want you to see this as ganging up on you, Mark. It's really, no, I, I don't, it's, I, a, it's an important in terms of the, the, the podcast and a character study of, of someone that we work with very closely to get to the bottom of this. And the investigation will continue as the season continues. I will say one thing for, for Nick and for other people, I am like, I have nothing against people that are sticking with the Browns that are longtime, lifelong Browns fans. I'm happy for them. When they win, it's just I have removed He's myself from the situation. He's building a bridge building back. A bridge. I'm happy for you. Absolutely excited about what's occurring. <laughs> Wait, like, I, I'll, I'll say this: as somebody who had many huddle up conversations with Sessler in the newsroom back in the day after the Browns suffered yet another excruciating loss, I find it hard to believe that he will be able to separate so easily yeah, thank through you. the course of this season. Thanks, thanks. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right, Nick Shook from <laughs> Cleveland, checking in. We'll see you next week, buddy. Thanks, guys. All right. Let's check with some corkers there. Yeah, big time. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, we say goodbye to Shook and let us head to the NFC North. Wild stuff going on here. (laughs) Well, that's strong. Maybe over so. (laughs) He'll throw right. Look at that. Jefferson uncovered. 2015-10. Dances to the right to the five. Dives for the end zone. Touchdown! And J.J. Great call there by Paul Allen, KFAN. You know, we're old enough to have seen Randy Moss at his apex with the Vikings. And I didn't think I'd ever see anybody that could approach Moss and probably won't. But the fact that the Vikings have another absolute monster stud in his early 20s with Justin Jefferson, that's nice. That's that, that's riches. Justin Jefferson went off for 184 and two touchdowns. Uh, leading the Vikings with Kirk Cousins, of course, to a 23-7 win over the Packers in Kevin O'Connell's debut. And um, this one is a tough way, Greg, for the uh, the Packers to begin their defense of the NFC North title. No, looking so hapless on both sides of the ball was shocking to me. And maybe I, sh- I shouldn't be as shocked because Justin Jefferson, as you mentioned, 
like is a big time player. Dalvin Cook is a big time player. Daniil Hunter and now Zadarius Smith, who had great, great games. Both of them are big time players. And there's this idea that the Vikings are just blah. They're boring. They're the same team every year. And maybe that's where they'll land this year. But they do have awesome players at the heart of it if they don't get in their own way. And most of the second half was spent with Hansis, who had a lot of correct predictions, mid-game predictions, that went well for him today. <laughs> but what didn't go well was him saying, oh, the Vikings are going to Viking here, and this yeah. one's going to keep getting closer, keep getting closer. And you know what? It didn't because their defense stood up. They did. Uh, their offense held the ball enough in the second half, even if they really only got a couple field goals there. And most importantly, as you mentioned, Justin Jefferson – is just outrageous. You can, you mentioned he's not going to be another Moss. Well, Randy Moss is the only player in NFL history to have as many 150-yard games this young in this uh, stage of he's his career as Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, he, he it was a fascination to watch him. And I think the flip side of this was that this was not last year's Packers on offense or the year before or the year before because the Devontae Adams free Packers, unlike the Chiefs missing Tyreek Hill, did not have an answer. And I thought that Aaron Rodgers, you know, that in the first half especially, they had one drive out of seven that went for more than 13 yards. They looked confused Oof. to me. Uh, there were big mistakes. I we, we talked about this too as a group, that Christian Watson dropped what would have been a home run that touchdown. That set the tone for the whole that game. Did. For that, been, that was that literally the first pass of the season. Would have been a 75-yard touchdown. Is that a harbinger of doom for Green Bay? They, Green they, they dialed bit. it up in a way, I think, to send a... I don't know if they dialed it up to send a message, but they dialed it up knowing like, okay, here's the first play of the season. Yeah. Can we get Watson for 75? Perfect throw by Rodgers, and yeah, it goes right through they, his hands. They uh, had A.J. Dillon stuffed on the goal line in a, in, in a possession that would have changed this game a lot. Because I know what you're saying, Dan, because the Vikings were hot and then they they cooled down significantly for such a long stretch of time that you could see the Packers with a wide open door to get back into the game. But Aaron Rodgers looked as frustrated as I've seen him in a long time, and he looked a little banged up at stretches for me too. He was getting hit hard, and this to me was a very harbinger of doom for the Packers. Although I think how remember how they started last year too. I'll use it again. It's just week one, so we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. But you're right; it's not a great start for them. And I'll tell you exactly the moment where I was like, okay. I know the Vikings. We all know the Vikings. We know what the Packers have done, especially in the regular season under LaFleur with Rodgers winning back-to-back MVPs. They got it. They were down uh, 20 nothing uh, in the second quarter. They get, they get the touchdown. They finally get on the board, seven plays, 75 yards. Then they get a punt. So now they have the ball back in the third quarter, down 27. And I'm thinking to myself, they're going to go down the field. They're going to make it 2014. And then that Minnesota offense, which under the prior regime with Kirk Cousins there, can go to sleep. They could be on fire for stretches, and then they can go into deep funks where they go into a three-and-out binge. And I thought it was going to be a situation where Rodgers has the ball down six late in the game. And yet, credit to Minnesota's defense because of the fact that Minnesota, despite all this great fireworks from Jefferson. They only finished with 23 points in this game, but they made it stand up because the Vikings defense did not let Aaron Rodgers get things rolling. And you definitely felt it, Greg. I mean, I know Devontae Adams did well uh, with Derek Carr statistically today, but you felt there were moments in the game where it's like, oh, this is where Devontae would give him a big pick me up. Sure. And it's going to take time, you think, uh, for the Packers to find that. No, I mean, I mean, A.J. Dillon was their leading receiver. And then beyond that, it was nice to see Robert Tunyon back in the mix. He looks good. Uh, beyond that, their two leading wideouts were Dubs and, and Watson, two rookies. And so I think it'll come eventually. Uh, 
you know, they Sammy Watkins was in this game and, and didn't make a big difference. Uh, Alan Lazard hopefully returns. They were missing a lot of players. So David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, Elton Jenkins, like it's a very hard name to Stuffy. say. Elton, Stuffy. you're just not used Possibly to it. Possibly a misspelling on the birth certificate. Both, both players uh, were cautiously expected to play in this game. And so you went... And then they, neither one of them did. And they also lost Runyon, uh, their starting guard, during the game. So suddenly you're down three offensive linemen. So if you're trying to make this receiver salad kind of work, mm-hmm. uh, you at least need to have that really strong offensive line. The combination of the two made it look like their last game that they played, which was against the 49 I mean, which was against the 49ers in the playoffs. If you're not protecting them and you don't have those guys out wide, you're just going to be a total mess. And the Vikings were extremely physical. Like Zedaria Smith, DJ Wanham, uh, Hunter, they all look fresh. And I give their coaching staff... Um, some credit here because it's a new coaching staff. It's a, Ed Donatel's their defensive coordinator. He had a, a play at the goal line that really mixed up Rodgers. I think Greg Olson, who did a great job in his first game officially as the number one Boom. guy, like really explained it, and he confused Aaron Rodgers. And they have a new coaching staff on both sides. It was a very calm and composed game where I think Kirk Cousins played with a lot of clarity. So if we want to give the coaches some credit, we give it to them. Maybe it's just the players. Either way, it was like a very, a very strong opening uh, salvo by O'Connor. If you're if you're O'Connell, I mean, you're you're having to deal with the Packers in week one. And like it kind of tells you everything like that. that this journey could be for them. And so I, I love the win. I mean, I get concerned for Aaron Rodgers. There was a play where three Vikings defenders essentially just descended on him and destroyed him. And it resulted in a fumble. And it's like we Aaron Rodgers is not built like Josh Allen. I, I, I You always just worry about the Aaron Rodgers collarbone situation, things like that. Yeah, he looks stretching like out his, his neck. neck a looked, lot. He looked yeah. uncomfortable. And it's just like. He also is the kind of guy that if you're going to get him agitated and frustrated early on, you're going to hear about it. Mm. And I cannot wait to see what his comments are. The Packers get the Bears at home Sunday Night Football next week. The Vikings get the Eagles on Monday Night Football next week. That's going to be a great early. Ooh, who? Who missed their lock? Only one person missed their lock this week. Oh, who was it? Well, couldn't. Not the Titans fan. Hopefully not. No. Yeah, no. Great great week one. You know, week ones are hard to read. I'm not even going to dig in his own grave. I mean, Graver was flying high. Uh, He introduced Jessica for the first time really meaningfully uh, to us in a a social situation. Yes, Yes, we we met her briefly at the holiday party, but that was kind of at the point in the relationship where Graver was. We weren't sure what to make of it. Trying to keep it on the down low a little bit. Um, And that was was, slightly suspicious that, and that night. was not, wonderful not last night though and he left just feeling i think great about everything he's part of the right. team and is it's great woman it was like, it's... well we at the holiday party they were in the shadows yes right. and i felt like when we got together on the eve of the season it was stepping into the light and it was a wonderful time so think about that think about your mm. relationship and all the good things you have in your that's life. what i would say uh, this is what i would if i were to sing a little song for go ahead grave digger be like his team lost <laughs> he lost his lock when it rains, it pours, but he still has Jessica. <laughs> still that was beautiful. Jessica. That you know, was... we don't get that song yeah. that the Browns lost. Jessica, tonight. right, right. <laughs> no, that's not. This is my. I care about his well-being. He was, Thank you, Mark. Like he, he sang that song in the back too. Uh, he, he was really like full-throated. It was. It was beautiful. Um, and speaking of the Vikings, yes, they have the Eagles uh, on Monday night, but Ooh. they also have. Uh, a game in London against the the Saints, New and Orleans we'll Saints, and we'll be there. And we're going to be doing our live show uh, from London the Thursday, uh, September twenty. 
9th, I want to say. Let's, let's make sure we get that right. And we tickets are on sale on Ticketmaster. That's uh, we, right. And we have we have made some adjustments. We we have. Well, it's like the Packers offense. They're going to be need to making uh, some adjustments. You Let's know, not compare the ourselves the to them, please. No, we, we're not. We're not at that level. We I really want to say thank you to all the like listeners who have bought tickets. We've had an amazing response uh, and they're going quickly. But we also heard from a lot of listeners that thought the price point was a like a, too high. a little high. And I get it. We're not like super involved in in all that decision. And oh, don't pass the buck, Rosenthal. It, I'm just saying we're learning as we go. Well, and our true. relationship with the listeners is paramount to us. And so we're learning as we go as we're trying out these new things. And we so did tickets are free. We know yeah. we did work it <laughs> oh. out uh, with uh, with Ticketmaster with Live Nation that we have 25 25 pound tickets now will be available on Ticketmaster as of Monday morning. And if so you want us to lower further, this, we're going to be paying to do that venue. So. <laughs> we were not looking to box anyone out financially. Like we were, you right. know, this we was just, we we're just like, okay, tell us what to do. We're going to do it. And right. so, so because we want as many people as possible to come see it. And we heard from a lot of you and we want to listen to uh, the, the seats in the balcony or we, we've opened up some seats in the balcony. That'll be 25 pounds. So Absolutely. Go check them out. And Mark will personally meet and greet with each of you in the balcony. All right. Let us now. Well, that's not technically true, but maybe. news to me. We'll see. All right. Let Don't us put now that move out on. there because then it acts. Then we're going to encounter more Your uh, DMs agitation. Ticketmaster.com. Search around the NFL. London. Here we go. Let's move on to the highest scoring game of week one. It went down at Ford Field. Get the grid out. Hurts takes the snap. He's pumping. He is going deep. And it is caught down the far sideline by A.J. Brown. He lurches forward across the five down to the four. That's he was covered. That was a great pass and a great catch. Oh, no. Gravedigger. Oh, he brings out the bongos. That's a pro. Give me the bongos. Give me the bongos. He's still got Jessica. He's still got Jessica. Even though A.J. Brown went off today in his Uh, first game in a Eagles uniform. (laughs) That is Merrill Reese, WIP with the call. Jalen Hurts. 333 total yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown, a career high tying 155 yards in his debut debut. with the Eagles. And Philly holds on 38-35 over the Lions at Ford Field. The Eagles scored 24 points in the second quarter. They were up 17 in the fourth. And then Jared Goff in Detroit. They put some lipstick on that piggy, Greggy. But the (laughs) Eagles are going to be a problem for defenses, aren't they? A.J. Brown's going to be a problem. I'm Digging the grave of that trade. It was a bad idea. You could have found the money to keep them oh, if they really it, wanted That's to. That's enough. You're taking it Sorry. too far. Okay. okay. I, I agree with Greg. Should they, have found the money. They could have figured it out. Of course they could have, but we don't need to no, relitigate we don't, that. We Let don't Justin need to we need, die in peace. Here's you the thing, hope, though. Uh, Justin doesn't go home, and then suddenly Jessica's annoyed with him about something <laughs> off the cuff, too. He does not need it today. That's, that's a totally fair point. Here's the thing, though. A.J. Brown was the difference in this game. I, I believe if A.J. Brown was not on this team, if the Eagles had not made this trade, they actually lose this game. Because while some... Uh, Parts of this matchup were similar to a year ago. Ultimately, Philadelphia ran the ball when they needed to. It it was not just lipstick on a pig. I mean, at the very end of the game, the Eagles needed to get multiple first downs to salt this game away, and they were able to by running. And they took a very gutsy fourth and one call where Jalen Hurts 
barely got it, um, or else they would have turned the ball back over to the Lions, who might have just won this game the way their offense was going. But A.J. Brown's ability to make contested catches in tight traffic and then make a couple plays after the catch, after he made those tough catches, made Jalen Hurts look better. Because I think those were the same throws he threw last year, and they just went incomplete. Or they were like a seven-yard game. I mean, it's the guy that the Eagles have been looking for for years right, right. to be that type of guy that makes the quarterback better. And that's what they have in play here right now. What? So Devonte Smith though, I'm looking at his line, zero yards, zero that was catches. Weird. Four targets. Brown definitely had most of the attention. Uh, I think Smith had a drop in there. Um, I, I wouldn't be concerned about that just because their offense was extremely efficient. This was not a game with a ton of possessions considering how many points were scored. Uh, I believe, including the last drive, which was very effective, they won the game on it. They only had 10 drives, and you put up 38 points. That that wasn't a problem. Jalen Hurts' legs also, which I, I still think are weirdly overlooked, w- were the other difference, too, because early in the game, they did not really play well on offense. He was getting confused by blitzes, and yet the Lions were blitzing and getting to Jalen Hurts, and he was making them pay with his legs. He ends up with 90 yards on the ground. Very few of those uh, were called runs. He had a couple effective called runs, but most of them were scrambles where it's like, this drive's going to end unless Jalen Hurts goes and picks up 14 yards here. Let's go pick up 14 yards. I feel yards. very close to Dan Campbell after covering the hard knock season with Colleen Wolf. Um, I do want to hear from uh, Coach Grit himself after mm. the loss. Let's see uh, how Campbell was doing. This is game one, and uh, we got a long season here. And I said the good news is that we didn't play very well, and we lost by three. That's what you can take away from this. Now, if we just take this whole approach where every week it's like, well, we play, you know, we lost by three. Well, we lost by three. We lost by three. Then what are we doing? So we got to clean this up, and uh, we got to be better. We got to be a lot better in all areas. Mm -hmm. He's right, because they have now graduated – from it being good enough to be competitive. That was last year, and that's why everybody liked them because they they were very easy to root for. But I'm not saying you needed to win this game, but this can't be the story of the Lions again, or else it's not really working. I mean, if we look at week one and say the outcomes are far more variable and bizarre than you're going to get over the course of other weeks, typically, they lost to Philadelphia 44-6 to a year ago. And that was in the middle of the season. And that by that point, the Eagles had figured out what they wanted to be, a run-heavy juggernaut. But I'd look at this game for the Lions and say, number one, they started off with a great drive out of the gate, and they looked like they kind of did in the preseason to me. Uh, I know they gave up a ton of points, but I think it's a tough team on both sides of the line. They, didn't, they only got one sack on Hurts today. I mean, he's really well protected by that line in general, but this is not a disaster for Detroit on any no, level. And DeAndre Swift, was, it is. Swift looks great. Just, uh, Yes, but I think you're playing one of the more dangerous offenses around. No, I mean, the Lions are one of the worst defenses in the league last year. I think their secondary has potential to be one of the worst in the league. I think at moments they they played fairly well. But Campbell was like, we got to improve in all phases. Uh, no, your defense is lousy. You need to improve your defense. And I know Goff struggled at... Late in the second quarter, he had like 13 yards, and so they started slow offensively, but they still put up 35, and Swift had the best game of his career. They were missing two offensive linemen at guard, and they ran really well. So, I don't know. It just seems like a defensive problem to me. Yeah, 17 rushes for Hertz. Is that, that seems a little high. I don't know. You okay with that? Him running the ball that much? It was a lot. One off his career high. It was not. Most of them were not called. So, you mentioned like 
there was only one sack. They got free rushers and they blitzed and confused him quite a bit, and then he would just beat the free rushers. Right. Okay. Well, and that's so different. That, that, but it also, I think, speaks to how teams will attack the Eagles because I he they didn't really have a lot of answers passing wise early for that, but his his legs were the answer. All right. So let us. Oh. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh yes, Marky. You and I. You and I both. That's a good way to start. We should pick the same team every week. Well, that doesn't sound no, as fun. That's, but no, because uh, can I tell you what? Well, let's not can fight I, it. Can I tell you why? Yeah, because it was agitating, Greg. Uh, well, true. no, that well, it wasn't it was that the you, Eagles. It was the Eagles. Was. That was it what put, was we, agitating. We played, I wanted to just we put root, Greg into a psychological jar and root 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 yeah. we yeah. twisted him into like an yeah. emotional pretzel, and that was fun. It distressed him. If you could upset Greg physically or emotionally, then it's like. All right. Then, I mean, then why your Sunday that, has why should a that little be bit a goal of, a, of any friend? Not that that's what I try to do. <laughs> that's not. I don't want to do that, Greg. But just knowing it happens occasionally, it's like, oh, Greg's human. He feels things. Yes. And I could I could connect mentally with him in a way. and physically. I'm struggling on <laughs> yeah. this Sunday. It added a nice element to you know we spend nine ten hours together on Sundays. It added a nice element to that. Um, yes, Greg's gutting through um, <laughs> some. He's not feeling great. So we appreciate you. Putting forth well, he's not feeling effort. well, and then I asked, is it possible that you're going to be giving us what you have? And well, I'm sitting two, two feet away from Greg, and I didn't get a clear answer on that. Yeah. Then we're going to be locking up something together. Yeah. We're going to be headlocking Rosenthal yeah. from the infirmary. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll be right back. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Let's roll on. Tenth play of the drive for the Bears. I formation under center. Fields takes and fakes with time. Lost to an open. Epimelia St. Brown to the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown Bears! He feathered it in there beautifully. Equimenius grabbed it in the end zone. Jeff Joniak with a call WBBM. I like that move, that uh, Equinemius St. Brown, where you catch the touchdown or you cross into the end zone, then you fire the ball yes. into the wall. Mm-hmm. It's almost better when it's the you're in someone else's building and it's their logo and you hit their logo with the ball. But in this case, he fired into the Chicago Bears logo. And that's fine, because everything's fine around the Bears right now, because the Eberflus revolution is upon us. (laughs) Justin Fields threw two second-half touchdowns, including that go-ahead score to Equan St. Brown. Eddie Jackson set up TD with an interception. And yes, the Bears beat the Niners 19-10 on a rainy day in Chicago. Hey, Mark Sessler, weather is the ultimate equalizer. Am I right? Well, you're dead right. And I'm not surprised that you are. But the, this, the rain in this game, uh, at times it became manageable, but there were moments of intense downpour. I mean, it's certainly, it's almost hard to evaluate the quarterback play in this that one. That was going to be my, follow, my follow-up question, which yeah. is how much do you put in this game because of the weather? How much did that play a role? Or should we give, be giving Chicago a lot of credit for what happened? Here? I do give them credit just because the Niners, if anything, you believe in their defense entirely. And, and when Justin Fields, who had 19 yards in the first half and really was not a factor, he found 
holes in the Niners secondary to make some big plays. He had a 51-yard touchdown strike. He had that one to Inequimia St. Brown. I mean, where he had two guys open on that. I thought he saw the field, field well there. So he made the most of it. Uh, I, I, both teams ran the ball 37 times. But I think the Niners probably came into the game wanting to do that to begin with. Hmm. I, 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 they, Trey Lance was not going to the air very early on because of the weather. But Trey Lance, to me, and I, it's going to be a real week-to-week journey with Trey Lance because he will always do things in a game that make you believe. But there were times when he looked really lost to me, and he generated three points in the second half. They couldn't get out of their own way. It just it, Quarterback looks like it will be a liability at times. But I again, because of the I was natural say, environment... Is that, was that because of the weather with Lance it's or not, because it's of It's not entirely because at. of the weather. Yeah. He's been all over the map... Yeah. All summer. And I, I think it's just it's a lot like they really broke down the fact that like this Niners offense, while it's quarterback friendly and you're, it's well coached, the terminology, the whole pro- mental process of taking on what, it, what they're asking a quarterback to do takes time. It's not easy. And I, this is someone that has not played a lot of football in the past couple of years. And he's got the gifts. I mean, I thought there were a couple times when Trey Lance uh, stood up in the pocket and made a throw when he could have in a different place if he were a little bit less lower on his maturity at this point on the field he would have taken off to scramble like I mean he, he tried to make plays but they just they this was not their day and I really thought that some of the defensive breakdowns led to Trey or led to Justin Fields saving it for the Bears this is a big win I mean this is a Super Bowl type team the Niners and people were looking at the Bears as a bottom five operation they're clearly rebuilding I don't think anyone expected this to happen it's a it's a, a nice moment for Chicago right they only had 204 total yards they were outgained by uh, 127 yards so it's not a traditional win but who cares if, right who if cares? you're the Chicago the Bears and the 49ers in terms of bad weather it's like that, that's how they got to the NFC championship is they found a way to to win a bad weather game losing Elijah Mitchell so early in the game uh what's his situation it did not sound like he a did good not injury come back. Jeff Wilson came in but I mean I, I I don't know to be honest like I it wasn't helpful at all but isn't it every season that the Niners like, are losing yeah. running backs like early on and fair, often? But I feel like Elijah Mitchell was so easily the number one right. most talented guy on that team. They now, could have used George that, Kittle today right, also. Now that most you know. not there. And and one thing to watch really for the rest of the season, and, and I will when I watch this game, is that they have four new offensive line starters, none of them with pedigree, almost none of them with any playing experience. Almost none of them, you know, being drafted in the first five rounds. On most teams, that's all anyone would talk about. But because it's the 49ers and, and they will get McGlinchey back, who's hurt, people are just like, well, Shanahan always figures it out. But it's it's something to watch. It is. And, you know, 99 yards and penalties, just a sloppy start to the season. I, I'm going to watch this game. I want to figure out what's going on. I, I have already have Bears fans getting on me in the mentions because I had the Bears at 32 in the power rankings. Like, well, we beat your team at number three. Well, yeah, that's 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 fair. It's a nice win. Gonna, that's a nice win for them. But I do want to see both of these teams on a dry track and see where things are a week from now. But taking nothing away from Chicago, that's a big win. Uh, and again, a city that's starving for anything of interest to beat the Niners who came within a fourth quarter meltdown of going to the Super Bowl last year. Very nice. Yeah, that crowd was going nuts. Very nice start. All right, let us keep moving on. Let's head to Miami. Miami. Throw <laughs> blitz coming. They got him. The ball is out. Touchdown, Miami. Ingram picked it up on the bounce. Yes, that Melvin Ingram 
no gloves on. Doesn't wear the gloves. I always like that. No taped wrists. He's just That's a how ball I play. Player. Jimmy Cephalo, WQAM, with the call. Safety Brandon Jones screamed off the corner, walloped Mac Jones. The ensuing fumble scooped up and run in for a score by Ingram. The signature play for the Dolphins in a 20-7 win over the Patriots in Mike McDaniel's debut as head coach of the Dolphins. Uh, Tua uh, Tungavailoa threw for 270 and a touchdown. Flashed some chemistry with Tyreek Hill, who was involved early and often. Um, But this was about the defense, and they were the star in this game, and the Patriots managed a single-scoring drive on a day that ended with Mac Jones dipping into an x-ray room to get his back looked at. They canceled his subsequent um, press availability uh, because of that. So as we record this, we don't know if that's a serious issue or what. Uh, But here we are, Greg. This is where we're at right now. I thought that the Patriots, the score tells, you know, you score once in all these drives, not a good day for the offense. The fact that Mac Jones could be hurt, that could be a disaster for this offense. But I think the second it quarter... could be night-night if he misses night, multiple night. Yeah, games absolutely. Brian Hoyer. Um, it was the second quarter where they let the game go away. The second quarter, when you watch this game, you'll say, oh, that's the Patriots offense that we heard about all summer. Hmm. The rest of the game, they they found they moved the ball at times, uh, on the ground especially. So it wasn't an out-and-out disaster, Um that you might expect, but at the same time, results are results, and this is a relatively easy win from Miami, despite the fact that it looks like it was somewhat close. Right. I mean, tr- trying to take some sort of moral victory, and I've seen you're not the only one positioning it this way. I, I've seen it sort in some Patriot circles, like, well, actually, the running game looked pretty professional for most of it. They just had to go away from it, and they they moved the ball. It's like if you're trying to spin positives out of a seven-point performance where you lose by 13 against a Dolphins team that's, you know, it's not the 72 Dolphins here, uh, that just shows you where the bar is right now, and it's at a different level than than I think I, I can remember in the last... 20 years. It's concerning. They did lose the turnover battle three to nothing. There's no way they're going to be able to survive that way. That's been their, their most consistent aspect to the Bill Belichick regime is turnover margin. Even with Mac Jones last year, it's one of the ways they ended up being in the top 10 in scoring is they had all these short fields. And that's, that's the way they're going to have to win this year. And it was the opposite today. The athletic wrote it this way. The scheme was bad. The receivers couldn't get open. The line struggled. A bad day all around for the offense. And I I guess what I'm concerned about a little bit is because I think we were contemplating a reality where like the regular season begins, uh, a switch is flipped and all this summertime issues, problems, concerns over the offense go away. And it, it seems to me to be... I don't know. I mean, I've been more optimistic than others. I didn't even think that would happen. I think this is going to take time. Yeah. But, this, right, but I don't I, think it's a good... It's, 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 it's not a good start. You good. can't say it's a good start. I want to know, like, who are the playmakers on this team? Kendrick Bourne led the team in receiving last year. Didn't even play till the fourth quarter. He's been in the doghouse. So, I don't know what he did. I don't well, know what happened. Can they afford to have anyone be they in the doghouse right stuff now? Like, and this is maybe right. is getting to like a more broad um, insight on the Patriots or an attempted insight that you could use, you could get away with that stuff when Tom Brady was the quarterback. If Bourne is a guy that can make plays, get him on the field. Figure whatever it is, get it worked out or get him out of the building and find someone else that can make those plays. So I wasn't overly uh, uh, won over by Tua. And the offense uh, yet, I know it was, an again, a nice win. You get you beat New England again, which is becoming a regular thing for the Dolphins lately. Uh, but I still need to see more from their offense. It'll be interesting how they do against 
Baltimore in Baltimore. The Ravens played very well against the Jets on defense today. Uh, but the Patriots, we're going to see, Greggy, especially if Mac Jones is injured. That's a major problem. Yeah, their schedule early is not easy uh, as well. I do think that you can look at certain situations with Tua and in this game. You know, First of all, getting the ball that much to Tyreek Hill and letting him make some plays after the catch early. But that 42-yard touchdown to Jalen Waddell with 18 seconds left in the first half, it, you know, probably the pl- key play of the game along with that uh, fumble return for the touchdown. That's on a fourth and seven in an in a awkward part of the field that with that much time left, there's 24 seconds left to start the play that if if it's an incompletion there you know the patriots have 20 seconds to to go get a field goal but mike mcdaniel um i think showing some stones showing some confidence in his young quarterback you could for, call them stones for yeah we can call them stones i we've learned what we can talk about you can talk stones uh <laughs> that's adequate that you know that's showing something. That's a, that's not a short fourth down to go for, and for him to uh, reward that confidence with a nice strike that that Jalen Waddle does the I'm work. That's to, great. I'm trying to think who was on the call for uh, CBS in this game. Maybe it was Dan Fouts. Fouts is still there, right? Is Fouts gone? I can't remember. Whoever it was <laughs> was saying, "Oh, they should not be doing this. They should not be going for this fourth down near midfield for the reasons Greg huh. said." And then Jalen Waddle catches the ball in stride, and he's gone. So that was kind of a turning point in this game. I do. Tyree Kill did speak. Uh, it was Adam Archuleta along with Greg Gumbel. <laughs> Dan Fouts is he completely out of the picture? <laughs> he, he is, I believe. It was yes. Archuleta who's doubting it, and then Archuleta said, "You know what?" That, take I take that back. Anyway, Tyreek Hill, he was wearing his uh, the Viper. What are they called? Pit Vipers, whatever those glasses are. It's not going to age well. Guys. Dan keeps asking us unanswerable questions. The Pit pit Vipers, is that what it is, Graver? You're young. I got thumbs up from people. He's wearing the Pit Vipers. And the Pit Vipers, I just want to let everybody know that lived through the early 90s as a teen when stuff like this was popular. Mm. It's going to look really stupid and like, 10, 12 years. I see what you, I see what you're looking at now. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a hideous uh, choice for. He was for wearing his pit vipers in the locker room and and talking up Mike McDaniel's, who has stones for days. Oh man, I said this outside, man. Like, hey, McDaniel's, he's gonna need a wheelbarrow, man, for his to carry around, man, because he got a lot of. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, gutsy call by him. We had two. Um, ways to describe uh, men's testicles that were bleeped out uh, there. But just know that's what he was referring to. Yeah. The man's got gumption. He also called him McDaniels. I, I would maybe yeah. at some point, because uh, you know, I think a lot of writers and others did the same out of the gate, but uh, your, your head coach's last name is McDaniel. I'm just going to let you know. I, I didn't even uh, realize I was stealing Tyreek Hill's bit there. You know? oh, that, really? I mean, I took his point. I, I said that he had, I know. He had stones. I thought you- I thought you were. Ch- I thought you were just building to that. No, I thought it was it a was, reference yeah. to it. It was more like it. Um, some people that we've worked o- over the years. I- I'm thinking of one in particular who no longer is at our company, but we used to do a show with him. If you would say something in a pre-show meeting, he would always steal whatever your point is mm. and then use it on the show. Yeah. That was kind of what I did to Tyreek Hill right there. Well, I-, I think he'll get over it. And by the way, there was a at Hard Rock Stadium. There was a stadium fire. Someone mm. left on their. Uh, their grill, and then it blew up a bunch of cars. Oh, no. So I shouldn't can, laugh. That doesn't sound you funny. You can connect that to the Patriots and their offense however you want, but it was an implosion of some mm. kind for New England, and let's see how they get uh, back on track. If they can, let's move on to another AFC East team that once again is trying to get back on track. The Jets hosted the Ravens at the Meadowlands. 
Lamar winding up, going deep for Bateman. He's got him! Touchdown! Third touchdown today for Lamar Jackson. And that was a strike from deep, 55 yards. How long, how long must we sing this song? How long, how long? Jerry Sandusky with the call, WBAL. Lamar Jackson threw three touchdown passes, including two to Devin Duvernay. Duvernay? I mean, what are we doing here? I like Duvernay. Ah, he's fine. I think he's but he had, more I than think a return. Like two touchdowns. Yeah. As, Hook him, baby. Oh, whatever. Grave <laughs> digger. To get green. The Ravens roll past the Jets 24-9 on a rainy Sunday. So much Life singing Stadium. in this show, by the way. Yeah, very, very talented group. Uh, Jackson uh, went 17 of 30 for 213 yards. Touchdown to Rashad Bateman. He threw one pick. Uh, this came after ESPN reported that Jackson had turned down a five-year extension worth more than $250 million. So he's pulling, he's doing the Aaron Judge move. He's betting on himself. And he says, I'm going to be the highest paid player in the world after I finish this season. So starting off well for Jackson. Didn't run much in this game. Uh, in fact, the Ravens didn't do much in this game on offense initially. The Jets defense came out flying around. Uh, but... The Ravens defense was better because, and part of that is Jets don't have Lamar Jackson. The Jets have Joe Flacco and Joe Flacco in front of a line that can't really block well right now with George Fan struggling specifically after being moving back to left tackle, after being at right tackle, after being at left tackle, snip, snap, snip, snap. And then they lost their right tackle, right? They Today? had a, a rookie. Uh, they put in a rookie. I, I might have missed that. I don't know if, the, if he went out with I an injury. But anyway, the point is the Jets could not move the ball. The Ravens made enough plays. And then in the third quarter, hit on a couple big ones. And this game was over. So very disappointing if you're a Jets fan, if you're a Ravens fan. It's a big turn the page after la- last year's frustrations. And you move on with the W in your back pocket you were expecting to get. Are you concerned? I know that you said the defense came out playing well for the Jets. Are you concerned about the coaching overall, the offensive coaching, or is it just the Joe Flacco can't do it anymore? Yeah, I don't. I I think with Jets fans, we're just sick of it. It's just like, come on now. Let, I don't want to hear any excuses. I think Robert Sala and Joe Douglas and and you could say, yeah, sure, Joe Flacco was in there, so whatever. But at the same time, we've heard some not so great things about Zach Wilson's development behind the scenes, and he's coming off a bad rookie year. So the idea now, we're going to switch. You're going to ask Jets fans now to switch from, oh, let's get behind Joe Flacco. Maybe he'll keep the job too. Oh man, if we could just get Zach Wilson back, we Plus, need to see some to results. Joe Flacco more than any people outside the Flacco family. Absolutely. They, yeah. So you, when we're expect when we're being told by. Robert Sala, what a great player Joe Flacco still is. And then this is the performance by the offense. Yeah, it's disappointing. And it was a sloppy performance overall by the Jets who dropped, uh, dropped touchdown passes, fumbled the ball, just didn't play well. And, uh, you know, on the Ravens side, just a great job by their defense, which obviously had a, a, a nice assignment in week one, but they just took care of business and they were able on offense to get by. We didn't have Ronnie Stanley in this game, the left tackle, but then Jawan James, who the poor guy just can't stay healthy. He goes out again and gets carded. So they finished the game with their third string left tackle, but they're still moving the ball and scoring points when they need to in this game. So they're just two franchises in different places. And if you're a Jets fan, it is not too soon to panic because this is not supposed to be the way this game played out. My dad, Keith Hansis, who was supposed to give us a dispatch today, he went to the Meadowlands with some family friends 
did the whole tailgating and went there and got rained on and watched a team no show. And it's just like enough. Let's go. Let's go. Let's start doing something and giving the fans something to at least root for. Because, again, the calendar changes. Nothing seems to change for the Jets. Good job by you, Ravens. Mm. Oh, it sure is. I think think the Ravens, who who are still short some key players, J.K. Dobbins was out. You know, we know Gus Edwards is out. So Kenyon Drake was their, you know, leading rusher. And... uh, well, if you want to call it that, you had right. 2.8 yards per carry. They didn't have a running game, so that's a, little, that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, but I think they have to feel good. Uh, granted, it's against the Jets, but they have their secondary back, and they're like a back-to-front type of defense. Make the other quarterback hold the ball so that the pressure can get there. And I went into this game you know, really thinking if there is a weakness on this entire team, it, it's their pass rush. They did get 11 quarterback hits. I know it's against Joe Flacco. Throwing the ball fifty nine times, fifty nine times. Joe Flacco threw it fifty nine times. I know it was, you know, that's this because of the script. Got I, messed I, up. I it's it. like the opener against Peyton Manning, like a t- thirteen, twenty thirteen. He looked really old, and we know that Joe Flacco, even in the best of times, was never a mobile guy. But when you really have these statues uh, behind an offensive line, it does remind you, especially in the modern game, as fast as it is now. When you have a guy that can't make any yardage up, can't evade the pressure, and and turn negatives into. Um, positive plays and scramble and get yards. It just puts you in an even tougher box in terms of your offense. So very poor start. No excuses for Salah or Douglas or anyone else. It's enough of this. Like you need to figure out a way to be competitive in your building to start a season. You got 75,000 Jets fans who put up with BS for a decade straight and that's how you started this season. They sat in the rain and waited for three and a half hours for something to cheer for, and you gave them nothing. This is no longer acceptable. It has been acceptable for half a decade now. We're not going to take it. Jets fans are going to boo, boo lustily, and every heads will roll if this happens again. We shall see. Hey, you're, going that, to, you're going to Cleveland next week. We'll see how that goes. I don't – my guard's up about this season after a performance like that. Should we take a break? I I think for your sake, yes. Oh, man. Unbelievable. Let's take a break and uh, continue on. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, we're back. Let's get to a great rivalry game. New Orleans and Atlanta, they hate each other. Let's see what happened in Georgia. 23 seconds left. Will Lutz, kick is down. And... The kick is good. Will Lutz puts the Saints on top with 19 seconds to play. Mike Haas with the call. WWL. Lutz. They missed Lutz last year. Now they got him back. He had the core injury. He kicked a 51-yard field goal, 19 seconds to play after Jameis Winston. Uh, led a pair of late touchdown drives. And the Saints steal a 27-26 victory away from the Falcons in Dennis Allen's coaching debut. Mark, the Saints struggled to get into a groove offensively, but they did just in time. This game was insane. Uh, I think 
you know, with 12 minutes to go in the final quarter, the Saints were down 26 to 10. And I imagine myself coming on this show to talk with you about what I had witnessed. And it was all Falcons who put the heat on Jameis Winston early on. I have to pivot. I have to pivot. But I want to talk about them to start because... The, you know, that's another team that I think people just said bottom three material, no skill position players, all sorts of issues on defense. Dean Pease came out in this, their defensive coordinator, going after Winston, going after that line, and they were winning the battle. And then at some point in that fourth quarter, Jameis Winston turned magical. And, I, you know, he, we know he can do this kind of thing, but he, over the course of these two touchdown drives, went 11 for 12 for 157, 157 yards and hit a money two-point conversion as well. I think that their receiving core, they got Will Lutz back, but Jarvis Landry had 114 yards and a couple Ooh, of big plays in this. That's a big signing for mm. very little. For very little. Chris Olave had got going. Michael Thomas, there was a, they, they were not connecting early on. And, and Jameis Winston had some throws that were a little bit behind it's Michael first time Thomas. they ever played together in a right. real game. They got hot towards the end, and you could just see the chemistry. And it kind of, for me, with New Orleans, because I, I, they're a weird team. There are, they, they told us all offseason that Taysom Hill was going to be a tight end. We just should never have believed him. But he was taking direct snaps out of the backfield and making all sorts of big plays, too. And so the Saints, not surprisingly, are a fun watch. Uh, but I was real concerned about him through three-plus quarters until they turn it around. And if you're the Falcons, number one, I, this Cordero Patterson thing, which a year ago I thought was just going to be maybe a one-year kind of flash in the pan, 120 yards off 22 carries, had some big plays in this and was taking it to the Saints defense as well. Marcus Mariota, he's not perfect, but I also think that they're, the way that Arthur Smith uses these guys, like the Falcons were fun to watch. I yeah, did not expect gagged. that. They gagged. They to- this is the worst loss they t- of week one. They it's not to- even close. They totally gagged, and it is a bad loss, but I just think... Cincinnati e- had a pretty e- bad e- loss, yeah, too. Ex- <laughs> Expectations-wise, though, if we're going to look I at them it. as a middle, mid-range team, I mean... They can do some things. It is a disappointing loss because you cannot crumble that way. They had the Saints in week one at home. The fact that it's the Saints. I mean, right, I, it's the Saints, ch- right. I choked before the game. The fact that I didn't draft this game, it's my own fault. I, I've said it so many times on this show. You guys are sick of it. This is the best rivalry in the NFL because the fans hate each other, I think, more than any two fan bases hate each other. And the games always deliver. You might have that, you know, number eight and you know Fox team on the call, but who cares? <laughs> this was the best game of the day. Just, to, just for the insanity that you score 17 points in the last 11 minutes and then you have the Saints players dunking on the Falcons like in their press conference like waving Falcons flags like it's a real rivalry and to lose it at home in front of your stunned fans it's All just right, Greg. I'm just uh, saying we know who you're rooting for it's here. as bad of a loss as you could have and for what for Winston <laughs> I mean, you mentioned it. In those three drives, he had one incompletion and 213 yards in the fourth quarter. He totally he, caught he fire. Was, he was like peak Joe Montana for one quarter <laughs> of his life. That's and that amazing. will work. I mean, they, they're a very solid team. They have a good defense and they have a nice running game. And, and these receivers now, if, if this is Landry, and Landry's got to stay healthy, of course. That's been an issue. Michael Thomas, of course, has to stay healthy. Uh, but you add those guys on the field. And if Olave is a guy that's going to continue to develop, 
Yeah, and Kamara's a... Thomas was literally foaming at the mouth at one point. Did you see that, Mark? I think it was maybe after the two-point conversion. That's a little concerning. Or... I think he might need to get a rabies shot. <laughs> right. He was just so fired up after scoring. He had two touchdowns. That, and he was just like... He like, bit a guy? Like, <laughs> was bit by something? He was just trash-talking on the sideline. I'm not sure to who. And then spit was all over his own no, face. He's, he's it was amazing. That, I think you've now laid out everything that could possibly be. I was like, they missed that intensity, though. Like, like he, one thing I remember from that run, and he was so young in it back in what twenty seventeen when they probably should have won the Super Bowl. He was like their team leader as a rookie and a second year player, and so if he's healthy, I think he adds like a, a something special I'll, even beyond his production. I'll ask you this, Mark. So yeah. I think it's great that Cordell Patterson has a chance to you know put together another really productive season here. It certainly started out well. Mariota's numbers don't look terrible, not overwhelming. Drake London was involved in his first game, but how is Kyle Pitts only have two catches for 19 yards? I mean, mm. that has to be for this Mariota thing to work. He's got to have that chemistry with Pitts, who is supposed to be a guy that's putting up big numbers every week now as he enters year two. Uh, he struggled to get. I I I wonder if that's more of a Saints matchup thing because I I I want to give that more time. But you know, this is a he's dip- supposed to be matchup proof. I, I I don't know. Maybe you know, credit to Dennis Allen and company there. They took him out. I mean, he 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 had seven targets and two two catches. So it wasn't as if Mariota totally ignored him. Just it was not a productive day. I thought Drake London made a couple of big plays in this too. I mean, you. I'm just saying. I get what you're saying, Greg. That it's the worst loss, but. The expectations for the Falcons were like a bottom so, five I get team. It. I just mean if you're there and you're a fan yeah, or you're a player. Yes, it would suck. But the like, high that you were at with 12 minutes left to losing that game, it has to be a killer. I thought it was promising that the pass rush that, that, that we thought didn't even exist in Atlanta. Uh, all right. So, ooh, ooh, who pulled that one out? Oh, Wrestling bros. The Cincinnati oh, Zoo? No. They get a lock out of that game? You should. They should have to give it back. This is give a good, it back. Uh, it's a good harbinger for them, though. If they can pull this out of it, they uh, did call who knows? A big Chris Olave game, too. And he, they, he didn't have they one. Didn't three have for so, you know, so how do you count? Let's not give it to him, then. He but made a key catch. Revoke, sure. the, revoke the block. Try next week. Chris I, Olave did not have a big game. I think he did help help set up, you know, that uh, one it's of those It's like Mark's elaborate sandwich props. You got to nail all of it to right. get credit. You can't leave. No, 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 this no. is not horseshoes. This is not hand grenades. You hush up. <laughs> all right, let's move on <laughs> to Houston. You smell an upset? Sort of. 42-yard attempt for Blankenship to try to win the game for the Indianapolis Colts. Hawk is the holder. Snap is down. The kick is up. And it's no good. The Texans dodge the bullet. Blankenship misses. That's the sound of that kick veering right. Ready? Down. Rodrigo Blankenship. Blanken yanked it. Lego man. Pushed it. Matt Ryan rallied Indianapolis in the fourth quarter to force overtime against the Texans in his Colts debut, but neither team could score in overtime. Both blanked in their two possessions in the extra period. Blank and ship, blank and yanked it. 2020 final. Houston, sometimes a, sometimes a, a tie is a loss. Sometimes a tie feels like a win. If you're the Texans and Lovey Smith, you're up 20-3 to three entering the fourth quarter. But how about, let's talk, Greggy, let's talk Houston punting the ball at midfield in overtime mm. and playing for a tie. Because, I mean, if you want, listen, you hire Lovey Smith, you're going to get Lovey Smith things. And we like Lovey Smith, but I didn't like uh, who plays for a tie in anything. Really weird. 
Bobby Smith plays for a tie. What was the down and distance? It wasn't like fourth and 36. No, it was uh, fourth and three from the 49-yard line with 26 what are we seconds doing? left. What? What? What are we doing? Well, Fourth he, and three from midfield? Here, here was Lovey Smith's explanation for Explain it. Explain yourself, sir. This right, is Mr. Whitebeard. These are the announcers talking about it. Okay, actually. let's hear it. I mean, if you have nothing to lose, if you're Lovey here. Now they're going to punt. I mean, this is playing for the tie. But... But nothing. A tie is better than a loss. Oh. What also, oh. For, for, oh. beyond all of it. Like, you know what, what else you, is better than a tie? A win. What are you telling your locker room? <laughs> it means what message are you sending to your locker room? You know what it's room? saying? Hey, man, nobody thought we were going to win. And, you know, we almost won, but we didn't lose. So we're actually cool with a tie. Fourth and 12. Fourth and 15. Okay, I get it. Fourth and three. You're one completion away from being in field goal range and scoring one of the biggest upsets of week one. That that would stick to my ribs as a uh, fan of that team. Yeah, yeah. And, and he basically said, like, I, a tie is better than a loss. He said, I thought a tie was better than a potential loss. And uh, he said, we, oh, it, brother. it's not like he, he also said and kind of throwing his own team under the bus. It's not like we were playing our best defense at the time. Oh, we were drained. I, I would have said in Lovey's uh, defense, they weren't playing the best offense on at the time. They did not look like a team that was equally good to the Colts. They were outgained by more than 200 yards. There were many. Uh, lucky moments for the Texans in this mm. game. They they made a you know, Jerry Hughes made a great interception on a screen play, but that was a little fluky. Like Alec Pierce of the Colts dropped uh, a wide open touchdown uh, that they ended up getting no points off of the Colts in the first half. The the Colts Rodrigo Blankenship not only missed that kick, but kicked two kickoffs out of bounds. I Bro. believe in a row, or at least two out of three in the second half. Come on now. And you know what the Texans did with those kicks out of bounds? kickers. Absolutely nothing. These were the Texans' offense at the end of the game, and I think this is what uh, Lovey might have been thinking, and he just didn't want to say it. He's saying our defense might be tired. Uh, here was Davis Mills in the second half. Punt, fumble, punt, 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 punt. And Davis Mills' numbers were fine, 23 of 37, 240 for two. This was an ultimate you-got-to-watch-the-game performance because – in key moments, he was inaccurate. He made some bad decisions, and I know they just didn't all come back to haunt him. But he just—he wasn't right, and especially down the stretch of that game, they were like hanging on for dear life. And I guess they I, sort of did. I just added up all those second half drives you mentioned. They had seventy-three total yards in the second half. Right. I—I I, am not. I don't agree with the decision at all. But I mean, I can understand a defensive-minded Lovey Smith. Not really trusting this offense today. He he was he was foreseeing. I'm not a, say, Dan, I'm not saying you you got to make got to go for it. He was but, seeing a situation where the worst you know a terrible game, that and he knew what that loss felt like for a second because he was expecting Blank and Chips kick to go in. They had blown the game and and Frank Reich did the Mike Vrabel thing. He kind of set up for a long Blank and Chip kick instead of keeping the the pedal on the gas there and over. Sounds like a real coaching exhibition. <laughs> um, the, I think you know. What you're explaining, and I'm going to watch this tomorrow, like what Lovey Smith can't say is what he feels in that situation. And he didn't coach his team last year. He's new. His feeling is my team's not good enough. So 
I'm going to take a tie as a, as a win for us because we're lucky to even be in this position. But it's just weird when it's that close yeah. and it's 20 to three entering the fourth quarter. I, it's the gutless move of the and week. It's that, it's also, and maybe the season. It's also like that little time left. Like all you, you, there would be under 20 seconds to go for you to stop them from getting into field goal range. Let's, right. let's have a, a little confidence. Bef- before moving on quickly, though, I have to give Reich some credit and Jonathan Taylor even more. The Colts are the only team in the NFL who falls down three scores and catches up with the running game. They stayed very run heavy. In fact, I thought they kind of went away from the run a little too much in the third quarter. And as they were making that comeback, it was almost all running. They were down three scores. They took a field goal early in that process to make it 14 points. And I was like, oh, you're taking the field goal to make it 14. And they just kept handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor, who had 31 carries for 161 yards. And it worked. Even down three scores, he was the key to the comeback. Yeah, right. he's, the, he's the man. Matt Ryan also threw 50 passes. Is Matt Ryan well protected behind this line? I kept reading no, that like, the first this is a half, big problem especially, here. he was under a lot of duress. I don't like that for Matt Ryan. I thought he played okay in this game. He was not bad. Uh, the first half, he was under a lot of pressure. All right, let's head toward our nation's capital. Well, near it. Near it. Close by. Snap to Wentz on a third and eight. Jacksonville brings six. He throws a fade towards Dotson, who fights for it and makes a catch! Unbelievable catch by Dotson! Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! Holy cow! Talk about the rookie. They say he has some of the best hands there are. London, we are seeing that in action today. Ram Weinstein... Julie Donaldson, uh, WBIG, with the call. I'll tell you this. If you are a fantasy person, go to your waiver wire. Just make sure Jahan Dotson's mm. not, you know, accounted for. If he's not, get him on your roster because that guy's going to be an instant contributor. Good nugget. That was one of my nugs, one of my takeaways from a 28-22 win for the Commanders who took command in week one, beat the Jaguars, and... Uh, Carson Wentz, I'll tell you what, not a perfect game. Not by any stretch. He threw interceptions on consecutive plays. And uh, at that point, the Jaguars took the lead as a result of his mistakes. But he rebounded. And he uh, had his first four-touchdown game since a fateful day in his career, a fateful day in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles, the day he tore his ACL on his left knee while on that scramble in December of 2017. So does that mean like this is the Wentz that's here now, the guy that was going to win MVP that year before he blew out his knee? No, that, he still looks like Carson Wentz uh, to me, and uh, the good and the bad. But it was a reminder of Wentz, who was a punching bag, um, really for years now, but especially this summer. And it was kind of seen as a joke that Washington could even think it could work with him that when Wentz is feeling it and he can get going and he can make plays and he can move an offense. And that's what he did because this was a game, uh, Mark, where the Jaguars looked like they were going to take command. Like they had taken the punches. They had said, thank you, Carson Wentz, uh, for these gifts. And now we're going to have a huge win and we're going to show that we're not the same old Jags no. Wentz recovered, and so did Washington, and now they're 1-0. As we all know, decided to really go ahead and uh, start to he take did. command. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, it, Wentz had his mistakes, and that's my thing with Wentz is he's going to be productive, but you're waiting for that killer scenario, that killer action. That, that, that He's uns- not a perfect quarterback. At, at all. But Trevor Lawrence, who you know we all project to have a big season for the environment around him that's so much better at this point, he had a terrible interception at the end of this game. 
He did. He did. It was a um, I, bl- I want to think what the down and distance was, but it wasn't a um, situation where he needed to make the throw. He did. He kind of threw it up for grabs and under threw it. And that was essentially uh, the end of the game. And this was a team that was last in turnover margin last year, minus 20. Um, but they were able to force three turnovers in this game, mm. uh, two interceptions and a fumble recovery. Um, the two picks set up 10 points. So they, you know, Trayvon Walker had a, a interception on a screen pass attempt by Wentz. He had a sack as well. Uh, so that that was a very good sign. Um, but now we need Lawrence to clean it up a little bit. He was flagged twice for intentional grounding. He had the interception that Mark is alluding to. So they didn't show their ability, even with Doug Peterson there, to find a way to win a game. But they were right there. They've, they're just losing is such a habit for this team that you there's all these players that have been around for a few years. I know there's a new players. I mean, they've done more losing than any team in the NFL. And like that's in the DNA. They, they're going to have to change it at some point soon. But they did get a lot of production out of you know Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. They're, they're free agent pickups. And ETN had a decent game. And, and Walker had a decent game. ETN did have a, a decent game, but he also dropped a fourth and goal Oof. swing pass wide open. It was a little high, right. but he should have had it. And, and there that was, was seven one, points. Right, and there was they another one where six. he was open for a touchdown and Lawrence missed him. So it, it's those little things that are actually big things. And if you're a Washington fan, I mean, this is sort of what you drew up <laughs> on paper, especially a year ago, but now like Curtis Samuel had a game, like he, he caught eight passes. He scored like a touchdown. Samuel. Jahan Dotson is in the mix, caught a couple touchdowns. McLaurin had one big play. Antonio Gibson is now the, the main dude again and puts up 132 yards. Like they have players around Wentz. It's just like against better teams, uh, are those interceptions going to hurt more? I mean, Graver came down and he, I know he, yes. Justin, you were watching this game and it's like, he was like, oh, I thought Wentz played pretty well, except for those two terrible interceptions. I just was thinking, like, how many times has that been said about Wentz in his career? <laughs> that That's sort of the experience. I will say this. I read this um, somewhere after the game, and I thought it was interesting because it was – well, let me say what it is. So Carson Wentz goes to the sideline after throwing the uh, his second interception on consecutive plays, goes there, and he looks at Ron Rivera on the sideline, head coach, and Rivera says to him, hey, you're going to have to win this. Wentz responded, I will, before walking away. It's dramatic. It's a nice lead. But you know what else it is? It's the opposite of Carson Wentz's Indianapolis experience where Frank Reich had no confidence in him, especially as the season went along. And you could see, I'm thinking of that Saturday, December game they didn't let against the Patriots. They're like trying to hold on for dear life and wouldn't even let him make a throw. Like if Rivera is a little outside the box and gives Carson Wentz a chance, maybe he gets some mojo cooking and Washington surprises people. We'll see. One game in, it's a nice day for the commanders who took we, command. We got the Carson Wentz experience and we're going to get it again. I mean, that... Yeah, I mean, that's fair, but it's also a great example saying I will and then doing it of taking command. Kind of. Yeah, he's like getting ready to, you know, kind of. I will. He was alluding to this day. This was it was all building to this moment. All right. We got one more game Sunday Night Football. We sent Greg home not feeling well, but we got some business to get to from Jarrow World. A bad night at Jarrow World for the home team. Touchdown! Tom Brady to Mike Evans, like old times. It was the only touchdown of the game, 
but throwing a few more field goals, and it was more than enough for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who begin their season on a winning note, 19-3 to over the Cowboys. And if you're the Cowboys or a Cowboys fan, this could not have been worse. Dak Prescott, 14-29, 134 yards, no touchdowns, an interception. Bangs his hand uh, during a pass rush um, by the Bucks late in the game. X-rays. And the worst news the Cowboys could get, he needs surgery for an injury in the joint above the thumb of his right hand. Jerry Jones, team owner, tells reporters shortly after the game he's going to be out several weeks. So, Mark, not only, and we'll get to the Bucks, but I think the Cowboys are the story coming out of this game. Not only do you no-show uh, in your opener at home, you now lose your quarterback. And when you combine those two things, it paints a very ominous picture of the Cowboys' near and potentially long-term future this season. Well, even before this happened, the energy around this team tonight, their performance on offense, what was lacking, what was missing, what we thought would be missing, which was wide receiver strength, depth, and it was. They cannot win on the outside. And even before Dak Prescott was injured, this was not the Dak Prescott we're used to seeing. Uh, This might have been one of his worst games that I can recall. And there were moments where he just was out of sync. We're talking about guys like CeeDee Lamb who need to step up. It's just not the case tonight. And so the offense looked lacking. And what is even more concerning, because I don't know how long he'll be gone, obviously, but they've got the Bengals, then the Giants, who look a little spicy right now, then Washington. And then if it goes on beyond that, the Rams and Eagles. And what I, I think what we've seen from Cooper Rush tells you Cooper Rush is not adequate to come in and win games. It I mean, is, he, was a, he was a big mess tonight. Yeah, we need to know more about how long Dak's going to be out. But it sounds like this is not going to be something. It might be October. Who knows? But it's, it's a situation that this season is in deep trouble immediately for the Cowboys. I don't think that's an overreaction. And you're right. Dak Prescott, before he went out, was not having a good game. And C.D. Lamb, he had a bad game. And these are two very good players that need to be great for the Cowboys to win this division and get back to the playoffs. And one night only, neither played well. And now one's on the shelf. And it's the most important guy to the team. And so you have to keep an eye on how the Cowboys handle this because, yeah, Cooper Rush is not one of the better backups in football. And this could be this could be the recipe, let's be honest, for one of those 0-3, 1-5 type starts. And all of a sudden, it's all over for Dallas. So that that's a devastating setback for the team, both from a game and from a long-term perspective with Dak out. On the, on the Bucs side, you know, I thought even though the, the scoreboard – doesn't tell the story of a, an exciting game, 19-3. to They only had one touchdown, but they also didn't punt until late in the third quarter. They controlled the flow. Leonard Fournette looked great, running for 127 yards on six yards a carry. Mike Evans did Mike Evans things. Julio Jones, I know the thing with him is you can't just view him as, oh, this is who he's going to be because he can't stay healthy anymore. But this version of Julio Jones still looks explosive and could be a big-time guy for the Bucs. Yeah, I mean, they had a Tom Brady, best throw of the night was that 48-yard shot to Julio Jones. Great catch. Great catch, great throw. There's chemistry. They're using him. He had two sweeps as well. So I like the Julio Jones fit in this. Uh, They did lose Donovan Smith, their tackle. Chris Godwin came in and then left the game as well An with a hamstring injury. Hamstring injuries, right? Yep, and it was elbow for Donovan Smith, and we'll see, we'll know more about that. So it, both of these teams cannot lose anyone else along the offensive line, and the Cowboys also lost Connor McGovern and Terrence Steele operates as a penalty machine. So I just see concern all all over the place for for the Cowboys when it comes to Tampa Bay. 
I, you know, they they looked more powerful. Obviously, it was not the most watchable game on the planet. But I'm not leaving with much concern. I think they're still the Bucks, the same Bucks we're used to. Yeah, and I think, and obviously, Bruce Arians is upstairs now. You saw him in, literally wearing like a Hawaiian shirt while he's he's technically out. working. He, he's acknowledging on the telecast and in interviews. Oh yeah, I golf two or three times a week. This is a very nice job for Bruce Arians, and it's a nice job for Todd Bowles because this team, you could see the way the defense swarmed. And that's another issue with Dallas. The offensive line, which we talked about during the summer, did not look good. They were overmatched in this game. So the Tampa Bay defense looked excellent in this game. And Brady is going to have bigger statistical days, but I didn't see anything to be concerned about him. It's been a kind of a funky, weird offseason for him. I think it's all systems go for the Bucs to, uh, to, you know, and you know what it's about with Tampa Bay at this point. Stay healthy enough. And then win your 10, 11, 12, 13 games and see what happens in January with Tom Brady, a quarterback. They're on the right track. The Cowboys, the opposite of that. Absolutely. And the, and the Saints will tangle with the Bucks next week. Fun. And after what happened last season, I can't wait to see that one. Very fun. All right. So we'll have more on uh, Dak Prescott and where he's at on our Tuesday show when we're all back together. And Greg will be hopefully feeling better by then. Speaking of Greg, our next ATN show of any kind will be tomorrow night. The uh, Monday Night Football recap of the final game of week one, Seahawks versus Broncos, Russ Bowl one. So keep, uh, stay tuned. Steven Ruiz joining us for that one. Oh, very nice. We love Steven Ruiz. He is great. So that will be great conversation. So be there for that. Again, go to Ticketmaster uh, around the NFL live show from London. Uh, we uh, marked down some of the prices for the balcony seats. So we want to make sure you guys are at that show so we can all celebrate football together in London. And that's it. I think we're all done. Great show, Mark. Wrap it up. Season 10 of ATN, season 13 for us here with the company. Let's make this one the best one yet, buddy. I plan to. Great. Heed the call, everybody. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 